0: Chapter sixteen of Far From The Madding Crowd This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tig Hines. Far From The Madding Crowd by Thomas Hardy. Chapter sixteen All Saints and All Souls. On a weekday morning a small congregation, consisting mainly of women and girls, rose from its knees in the mouldy nave of a church called All Saints, in the distant barrack town before mentioned, at the end of a service without a sermon. They were about to disperse when a smart footstep, entering the porch and coming up the central passage, arrested their attention. The step echoed with a ring, unusual in a church. It was the clink of spurs. Everybody looked. A young cavalry soldier in a red uniform, with the three chevrons of a sergeant upon his sleeve, strode up the aisle with an embarrassment which was only the more marked by the intense vigor of his step, and by the determination upon his face to show none. A slight flush had mounted his cheek by the time he had run the gauntlet between these women, but passing on through the chancel arch he never paused till he came close to the altar railing. Here for a moment he stood alone. The officiating curate, who had not yet doffed his surplice, perceived the newcomer and followed him to the communion space. He whispered to the soldier, then he beckoned to the clerk, who in his turn whispered to an elderly woman, apparently his wife, and they also went up the chancel steps. "'tis a wedding," murmured some of the women, brightening. "Let's wait." The majority again sat down. There was a creaking of machinery behind, and some of the young ones turned their heads. From the interior face of the west wall of the tower projected a little canopy, with a quarter-jack and small bell beneath it, the automation being driven by the same clock machinery that struck the large bell in the tower. Between the tower and the church was a close screen, the door of which was kept shut during services, hiding this grotesque clockwork from sight. At present, however, the door was open, and the egress of the jack, the blows on the bell, and the manikin's retreat into the nook again, were visible to many, and audible throughout the church. The jack had struck half-past eleven. "'Where's the woman?' whispered some of the spectators. The young sergeant stood still with the abnormal rigidity of the old pillars around. He faced the southeast and was as silent as he was still. The silence grew to be a noticeable thing as the minutes went on, and nobody else appeared, and not a soul moved. The rattle of the quarter-jack again from its niche, its blows for three-quarters, its fussy retreat, were almost painfully abrupt, and caused many of the congregation to start palpably. "'I wonder where the woman is,' a voice whispered again. There began now that slight shifting of feet that artificial coughing among several which betrays a nervous suspense at length there was a titter but the soldier never moved there he stood his face to the south upright as a column his cap in his hand the clock ticked on the women threw off their nervousness and titters and giggles became more frequent then came a dead silence everyone was waiting for the end Some persons may have noticed how extraordinarily the striking of quarters seems to quicken the flight of time. It was hardly credible that the jack had not got wrong with the minutes when the rattle began again, the puppet emerged, and the four quarters were struck fitfully as before. One could almost be positive that there was a malicious leer upon the hideous creature's face, and a mischievous delight in its twitchings. Then follow the dull and remote resonance of the twelve heavy strokes in the tower above. The women were impressed, and there was no giggle this time. The clergyman glided into the vestry, and the clerk vanished. The sergeant had not yet turned. Every woman in the church was waiting to see his face, and he appeared to know it. At last he did turn, and stalked resolutely down the nave, braving them all with a compressed lip. Two bowed and toothless old almsmen then looked at each other and chuckled innocently enough, but the sound had a strange, weird effect in that place. Opposite to the church was a paved square, around which several overhanging wood buildings of old time cast a picturesque shade. The young man, on leaving the door, went to cross the square when, in the middle, he met a little woman. The expression of her face, which had been one of intense anxiety, sank at the sight of his nearly to terror. "'Well,' he said in a suppressed passion, fixedly looking at her, "'Oh, Frank, I made a mistake. I thought that the church with the spire was all saints, and I was at the door at half-past eleven to a minute, as you said. I waited till a quarter to twelve, and found then that I was at all souls, but I wasn't much frightened, for I thought it could be tomorrow as well.' "'You fool, for fooling me?' but say no more. "'Shall it be tomorrow, Frank?' she asked, blankly. "'To-morrow.' And he gave vent to a hoarse laugh. "'Ah! Uh, I won't go through that experience again for some time, I warrant you.' "'But after all,' she expostulated in a trembling voice, "'the mistake was not such a terrible thing. Now, dear Frank, when shall it be?' "'Ah! When! God knows!' he said with a light irony, and turning from her walked rapidly away. End of chapter sixteen.